Hi, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Back in November, when the government of British Columbia announced it would enact new vaping regulations in order to protect youth, little concern was paid to the tens of thousands of adults in the province who rely on vaping as a tool to quit smoking. In mid-December, the provincial government released details of its planned changes in what it calls an intentions paper which, if enacted, would destroy adult access and choice to vaping products in the province of British Columbia. Joining us today to discuss these details and their impact on vaping in the province is Stacy White, the co-owner of Thunderbird Vapes and ardent defender of vaping rights in BC. Stacy, thank you for joining us again on RugWatch. Thank you for having me. Well, let me first say a couple of things. Stacy and her partner, partner Brendan, were featured in our very first RegWatch episode on vaping. Back in 2015, we visited their shop for an interview about BC regulations. And if it were not for Stacy and Brendan, we may never have embarked on our journey of vaping coverage at all because Thunderbird Vapes was and is still my home vape shop. And they made the very first introductions for RegWatch to the industry that helped secure early funding for our coverage. So everybody has a lot to thank Stacy and Thunderbird Vapes for. Hi, Stacey. You guys rock. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's uh, awesome. Now, I really wish that it was better news for us to be talking today, and we really want to get your reaction on the proposed regulations that uh, the BC NDP-led provincial government has put out there. Um, let me say, I'll just do a, a runoff of the top here of that. It's really disturbing because the first thing they do is they reclassify or classify, I guess, nicotine as a, quote, health hazard, close quote. And they make a very strong point about that. Nicotine is a health hazard. And then it would cap nicotine strength, cap e-liquid containers, cap tank size, ban zero nick e-liquid, and ban most, if not all, flavors. And then you add on top the 25% sales tax, and the intentions are clear the BC NDP-led provincial government aimed to crush vaping with a ban in all but name. What do you think, Stacey? Uh, it's definitely, um, as somebody who works in the business, it's very scary to see the proposed changes. And uh, I, I'm really hoping that we can take advantage of the feedback period until the 24th, because if they go through as planned, I think that we'll see the majority of the vape shops in BC probably close and probably a lot of the smaller independent uh, manufacturers as well. Close seriously. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that if we were to lose, um, or if customers lose access to the variety of flavors, uh, the 10 mil bottle size uh, is very, very damaging. It's going to be much more expensive to the end user, and I suspect that we'll see a lot of people actually going to higher nicotine and smaller devices uh, to try and like save a little money so that their juice will go that little bit further. Because if you're using a tiny container, you got to sort of save everything you can. Uh, I think it is a really huge step backwards if uh, the proposed changes go through. Yeah, the, it, it seems to me that um, they can't really make up their mind in, in a way. Are they planning on, excuse me, let me just get back here uh, off your shot. There we go. It seems to me that everything is designed to frustrate vaping at every single part. So, and we'll, we'll go through in some details, but, you know, from the top end here, why don't they just ban vaping? Because if they're going to, uh, you know, cap the size of the containers down to 10 mils, then, I mean, how can anybody, you know, properly do, what, what is it called, Stacey, and it's funny that I don't know this, but when you're not using salt nicks, 
and you're using, you know, traditional vaping, you know, is that, you know, what do they call that kind of juice? It's we, the term that ends up getting used is freebase liquids, um, which sounds Ooh. terrifying. Oh, I know. My God. Oh. I like to refer to them as the traditional liquids, but they don't really have a name because they were the standard until salt came out. So salt was the distinguisher. And then you just had the other liquids. So I suggest that we need, we, yeah, we need a new name there, right? Whoever's yes. in charge of the naming, the centralized committee for vaping that seems to police uh, language on social media all the time or what, what stories you're allowed to post, that group of people needs to come up with a better name than Freebase because there's you. no, yeah. It's, it's, it sounds really scary. And it's actually the lower nicotine of the two liquids, the one that is potentially less addictive, but it has this very intimidating sounding name. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> wow. One second. Oh my goodness. Now, I mean, you can't call it freebase. I mean, how is that? I mean, it's, it, that is just insane that anybody would think that that is an appropriate term uh, for e-liquid in this particular environment. Yeah, no, it is. And, uh, um, we generally try to refer to them as traditional liquids, uh, which is, <laughs> to be kind of funny because uh, traditional sounds old and yeah. none of this is, you know, this hasn't been around 20 years. They're all very contemporary products. Uh, but for lack of a better name, they go with the chemistry behind it. And that's why the other ones are salts is because it's an alkaline base. Free bases, the way that the nicotine is suspended. It sounds sure. terrifying, but it's unfortunately <laughs> what we have at the moment. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I'm just laughing because I, I, I literally did not know what that was. I've heard it once or twice when I've asked people, you know, well, what is it? And they've mentioned freebase. And I was just literally just shocked or whatever, just in and one year and out the other. Yeah. So in this context, uh, we're really searching for the nomenclature that the industry has to drive. Because here's the the funny thing. And we ended up, you went straight to the 10 wheel bottle thing. So we're already into the weeds here. So yeah. that's just as simple <laughs> as that, right? <laughs> So, um, but in the weeds on this issue, this is, this is to me quite amazing with this 10 mil thing, because so if the idea is to protect youth and you want to make the argument that salt-based e-liquids, uh, because of obviously the nature of the nicotine in, in the salt-based liquids are a problem, which I think, you know, you could say that they generally are. I mean, it, it, they do increase the nicotine uh, impact on the body. Um, arguably, they actually increase, you know, the addictive quality of the nicotine because it does get to the brain faster. That's what the salt nick technology is designed to do. So if the, if the idea is to get rid of the salt nicks, well, the government really should be supporting freebase e-liquid. Yes. Try to sell that to them. And from the most part, are my greatest concern when I'm, well, not greatest, one of my major concerns when I'm looking at the proposed changes is it is most damaging to people who are using those freebase liquids. Because uh, they're the people who are using higher wattage, uh, larger tanks, larger bottles, because they're going through more liquid. And these are people who are generally using a 60 mil bottle, if not larger. So for them to be forced to go from that 25 to $30, 60 mil bottle down to a 10 mil bottle, which, um, I mean, uh, we don't have any 10 mil bottles from any of our distributors as an option to purchase at this point, but 
a few years ago when we did have 10 mils, they generally retailed around the $8.50 to $10 mark. So it's going to be substantially more expensive. And then if there's a two mil cap on the tank, their tank's going to be draining very quickly. So again, that's going to be prohibitive to those lower nicotine liquids. So it actually, the, the way that these uh, proposed regs join up, they actually favor the salt nick in the higher, uh, the higher um, nicotine. I, I mean, I guess if you've yes. got 20 mil salt nick, right, you can do a pretty good job with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, so the free base, I, I have to use free base because if that's the term that everyone's using. Unfortunately, and, it's, it's, it's the term that's prevalent at the moment. Okay. Um, so see, I'm really bothered by this. Let me explain why I'm bothered by this because, um, when we first started covering this, so when you and I first met and, and started covering this issue, we used the term e-cigarettes because yeah. that's the term that all of the media use. That's the term that health, uh, you know, public health, England, RCP, you know, all the researchers used and, um, relatively soon after we started covering this issue would have been sometime, maybe in the spring of 2016, there was a movement with inside the vaping community and, uh, they clamped down on people who were using the term e-cigarette, the little fascist, you know, name people. And so, and they, you know, try to do that with RegWatch. And so we took a good look at it and, and we agreed that e-cigarettes is a bit problematic, but we had a real hard time writing the, like using the language of vaping because it's not a thing, it's yeah. an action. And yeah. it took a good year and a half for that language for us to get into, you know, a, a rhythm that we could write with it properly. And then this whole, scare that happened in August, you know, it's, it's only because the, the name was changed vaping. Uh, it made it a lot easier. For yeah. The there was no to, distinguisher. Right. Yeah, no, it's the, and I mean, that's what happens when you have, uh, new economies or new, uh, entities is the vernacular takes time to develop. And, the idea of not calling it an e-cigarette because you don't want to be associated with cigarettes because we're not cigarettes. We're supposed to be the alternative to it. So why would we want that in our name? Totally makes sense. But then the term vaping is so broad that it can mean like you can go to London drugs and there's an aisle called vapors. Um, but they're for like humidifiers. They have nothing to do with the type of vaping that we have because it's, we've borrowed a word that was already there, but I mean, you kind of have to start with something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. Okay, so, all right, let's head over to um, the Vapor Products Intentions paper. And this is what the province of British Columbia put out in mid-December. Now, Stacey, there's a deadline that's coming up here real quick. Why don't we first, you know, talk about that and then we'll get into some more of the nitty gritty here. Yes. So our deadline is January 24th. I believe the cutoff time is 4.30 local BC time, Pacific time. Uh, we have until then to submit feedback to the BC Ministry of Health as to how these regulation changes would impact us. So for businesses, we're sharing our personal stories about how vaping has helped us uh, come from smoking, also sharing stories of how we've seen uh, customers change their lives. We're talking about the business impact it will have on us, and we're encouraging each and every one of our customers to send their feedback in too. Because as much as the government may listen to us, they really are going to take the feedback from the end users that 
broad section of voters is going to make much more difference than um, any of the businesses can. And I, I'm trying to remain hopeful that when they see exactly who these vapors are and the broad spectrum of a population, um, the broad age ranges, uh, like the majority of our customers are the like 30 to 50 range. Uh, this is not teenagers we're talking about. These are grown adults who are all former smokers. A lot of us were really heavy smokers. So we're really hoping that as the government hears about how flavors and nicotine strengths and just the array of options on the market has helped people and that there's no one solution that works for everyone that's sort of essential for there to be options because what's going to work for one person who is a heavy smoker for 20 years is probably different than somebody who's only been smoking for five to 10 years. How many vapors are there in British Columbia? You know, uh, that would be a really helpful stat for me to know right now. Um, I don't know. It's uh, a lot, a lot more than uh, there were when we started our business five years ago. Um, I know that even just walking around, I'm now kind of shocked when I see somebody smoking because the majority of the time uh, you see less and less smokers and you see more people vaping. Uh, I, but as for an official number, I'm, I'm not really sure where we're at. I think when we kind of put the numbers together um, late last year for one of our episodes regarding BC, it was yeah, somewhere, I, could it be around 80,000 or does that sound a little yeah. light? It, I'm thinking it's probably higher than that. Um, I believe I remember seeing something about they suspected that there was over 8,000 or 7,000 retail spaces in BC. Um, so I would think that the total users would be higher, uh, but I mean, it's growing constantly too. So it's, it's, it's hard to say. So let me ask you this, um, because there was, let's handle the last little bit of kind of the preamble. How big of a hit did your business take in October uh, as a result of the lung scare? Uh, it started in August. And I would say we were probably 20 to 30% down in sales over the course of a few months. Um, it happened really, really quickly. And we started to see a little bit of an increase again in November, sort of flattened out in December. But it was a really, really uh, steep drop that happened really quickly. And it was very, very, or it's still very slow for people to really catch up with what actually happened. We see a lot of people coming back in um, saying, you know, they went back to smoking, but they just can't handle it. They want to go back to vaping. And they are still under the impression that vaping could be worse for them than smoking because they haven't realized that the, uh, the deaths in the States were related to THC products that had been tainted and had nothing to do with nicotine vapes products. Um, a lot of people don't even realize that there's regulations in place in Canada to make sure that no contaminants like that are in our products. So it's it's been alarming at how poorly the media reported the outbreak in the States and how slow it's been for people to learn what actually happened. The other thing that was quite alarming is that a lot of people who do use the THC products don't realize 
that they were the ones who probably should be paying more attention. That was very slow as well because they saw stories about vapors and they don't probably associate themselves as vapors. It wasn't evident in the stories that it was THC products. So again, they didn't think that it was something they needed to worry about. So, I mean, we were really lucky that we didn't see any of those um, cases in Canada because our population was really not aware of what was actually happening. So what you basically then, and that's disturbing, but something that we certainly knew is that there are people out there, at least during the time, who did not know that it was them that they, that they should, that should be worried. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's unbelievable. Yeah. No, it's, you watch the Canadian and, and U.S. news media both. So how would you rate the two in terms of honesty? Let's even just say in like the last 30 days, you know, is one side worse than the other? Uh, well, I think a lot of it depends on your sources of where you're getting it from. Um, there's more U.S. media. Um, so they're probably a little bit more prevalent. But no, I mean, Canada dropped the ball quite as much as the States. Um, some networks more than others. Uh, CBC, I lost a lot of faith for, which really, really hurt me because I think they were, in Canada, probably the worst culprit at reporting. Um, even after the CDC had made it quite clear what um, the contaminants were and what the links to the deaths and the illnesses were, the CBC was still saying that there was little to no evidence as to what had happened. So that was really troubling. And it's a source of information that in Canada, as Canadians, we tend to hold as um, the truth, <laughs> the, the least biased, the um, sort of the pinnacle. And they really did a very poor job of reporting the facts. So I'm holding back, Stacey. I know you are. <laughs> Boy, am we I had enough back. chats. I know you're holding back, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Again, they're my home shop. So when I go in, it, it can easily be an hour and a half. And it usually <laughs> ends with Stacey and I at loggerheads over political issues. So that <laughs> Once or twice. Once or twice. Once or twice. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. The CBC, well, they're so honest, except for on this issue. Right. I hear you. Well, um, it's, honestly, I, I don't even look at them anymore. Like, I've removed it from my phone. It's... It's, oh, uh, that is glorious. That is glorious. <laughs> we need more people that, you know, position themselves on the more left. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I try, to, I try to look at a broad spectrum because I think that's how you get a balance. Even if I don't agree with something, I'm generally going to try and read it. Um, I'm just, my faith is a little shook right now in a, a couple of the Canadian platforms. Fair enough. All right, that's good. Well, we had to get a dig in on the CBC, though you totally pulled me away there with that. So I'm pretty happy to hear that. So let me uh, make sure that, uh, okay, so you've got our program feed, so that's good. So you can uh, see this. Mm -hmm. And so this again is uh, the BC Intentions paper. I jumped to page five. And uh, you wanted to start here, Stacy. So why don't I give you an opportunity here to lead us in here? Okay, um, I think though that that is actually Oh, yeah, I was on page three there. Yeah. Yeah, the reason why I guess it is important is just to make sure that everyone knows that the province of British Columbia, under then the BC Liberal Party, who had been in power for, mm -hmm. I don't know, about 16 years, they had actually brought in uh, the first vaping regulations in the province 
Yeah. And those were enacted. And so there has been full on regulations in British Columbia. Yes. They were one of the first provinces to do yes. that. Yes. And that predates our federal regulation as well. Correct. Okay. So here we are. Page five. There we go. So pre prescribed nicotine as a health hazard. That's what drives me insane. And, and, you know, let me just point out here as we jump back and forth that this was the danger of Bill S-5. So the federal regulation mm -hmm. that turned into uh, the Tobacco Vaping Products Act because it defined vaping as a health hazard. And yes. from the moment that I saw that, I mean, that was one of the biggest uh, things that RegWatch pushed back on all the time. We felt that if that this that Bill S five would enshrine vaping as a health hazard. That was the exact terms that I used in uh, plenty of stories. And then here we have, of course, province of British Columbia doing that right off the bat, uh, prescribing it as a health hazard. Yes, uh, one of the things that I find with that that's troubling is that uh, customers often they see any or not any, but they see something like that they're calling it a health hazard now and they start questioning if this is actually better than smoking. If it's being regulated like smoking, then it must be the same as smoking. And that's really dangerous territory to get into um, because we know how damaging smoking is and people really need to be able to um, have faith in their ability to make educated choices for themselves. And if it's being treated like something that they know could potentially kill them, they're going to think this is the same. And that really isn't. These need to be seen as an alternative to smoking that is potentially better. Right. That's exactly it. And let's use the language that the BC government actually puts in here. Health hazards are conditions or things that endanger public health or are associated with injury or illness. An important approach to public health in BC is taking measures to prevent health hazards, respond to health hazards, and regulate the operations, activities, or conditions that could pose a health hazard. The ministry intends to use, intends to use existing legislative authorities to identify certain matters and activities related to vaping as health hazards. The following items are proposed as public health hazards. Nicotine. Unless... It is authorized under other legislation. So the pharma nicotine is okay. Uh -huh. Patch, right? And e-substance vapor products without cannabis and nicotine, non-nicotine and non-cannabis e-substance. So this will get into the weeds here. Let's try to, I'm going to try to lead us in, but let's finish this off here. Yeah. Prescribing matters and activities related to vaping as health hazards allows the province to place conditions on activities such as sales, distribution, marketing, promotion, and messaging, as outlined below. Non-nicotine or non-cannabis e-substances will not be permitted for sale in BC. This restriction to prevent youth, this restriction is to prevent youth from starting vaping. Research suggests youth start vaping by using flavored vapes that do not contain nicotine or cannabis. That is just very curious. It is. Um, I, on my co paper copy that I have next to me, I have all sorts of highlights and notes over that little paragraph at the end there. So I am really curious to see what this research that they have is that 
teenagers start using uh, nicotine and cannabis-free flavors. Um, well, so, I mean, basically, we're talking about zero-nick vape. Yes. The, the government of British Columbia is saying that the youth vaping epidemic starts with zero-nick e-juice. Yes, that's apparently what they're saying there. Well, it's not apparently. It is what they're saying there. I'm just unconvinced to the factuality of that statement. Um, as a shop owner, we see miners come in, we ID them, we send them out. Um, in the process of us IDing them, they often try to chat away at us while we're going, and they're generally asking for salt nicotine liquids. They're looking for high nicotine liquids. You ID them, you send them out the door. A few minutes later, you have a customer come in, tell you that some kid's asking them for salt nicks. We go outside, we tell them to move on. They're not looking for nicotine-free liquids. If they're getting nicotine... I, I, kids, teenagers... I mean, we were all teenagers at some point. Teenagers will make silly calls about things in life. And they're generally not... Like, kids will try and get drunk. They're going to try and smoke. They're, gonna, they're looking for new experiences. And the head rush... That's what teenagers are looking for. They're generally going for these higher nicotine devices that are easy to hide. They get a quick hit. They get a head rush. They're not looking for freebase liquids. They're not looking for nicotine-free liquids. Um, there's Facebook groups that are always being shut down that are selling to minors, and they're not selling nicotine-free liquids. It's always about nicotine. So, so how does this? I don't understand that statement. <laughs> I no, I know. I totally hear you, and and I think that if portends something more sinister with inside this document. How could they make that and, and, and pretend that they know anything about vaping? So I assume that they know something about vaping and that, that the research that's been handed to them, you know, you know, foot and mouth by cancer and lung and everyone else, you know, I mean, who, is, would any researcher in, in Canada make this argument? There's no way. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm baffled and I've been trying to figure out that statement since I think December 16th was the first time we, uh, when this document came out, I've been trying to understand that since then. And it, it, it makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. Um, Let me reread it. Let me yeah. reread it for everybody here. So uh, prescribing, uh, wait a minute, non-nicotine or non-cannabis e-substances will not be permitted for sale in BC this restriction is to prevent youth from starting vaping. Research suggests youth start vaping by using flavored vapes that do not contain nicotine or cannabis. Again, I'm just going to, I'm lingering on this because yeah. I think it needs, I think, I don't know if it's appropriate for it to, you know, use that in a reply to the government if you're, making some kind of a statement, you know, in the public, you know, comment process. But it seems to me that advocates and researchers and so forth should be calling that into question. Yes. Um, it's, uh, I have my ideas as to why they're trying to ban nicotine-free liquids. Well, um, is, that, is that to prevent the, the shot fills? Yes. Uh, so explain, explain that for our viewers. Okay, so in the EU, uh, they had similar regulations go in where nicotine could not be sold 
our e-liquids with nicotine cannot be sold in containers larger than 10 mils. So what ended up happening is manufacturers would do their 30 or 60 mil bottle of concentrated flavor and they'd do a short fill. And then you would have uh, concentrated nicotine to whatever strength you want as a shot that would be mixed into the larger bottle. So you could still get 60 mils of liquid, but they were you mix the nicotine in yourself. And I believe that's what the BC government is trying to sidestep. Um, this is, a, I think, a fairly clumsy excuse to that end. Uh, honestly, if that's what you're trying to do, just say that's what you're trying to do. Uh, really what happens here is from the customers that I've seen that are using nicotine, predominantly are people who've worked their way down to three milligram, which is the lowest nicotine strength um, liquid that you can generally find, that would go down to a zero and they're either blending the two or they're just using zero as the final step. We have seen the odd person who has um, actually had the odd person who has gone through recovery and wanted something with an oral sensation but didn't actually want nicotine in it that would use zero for a little while. Um, but for the most part, we've seen it as it's people who've worked their way down from using higher levels of nicotine down to zero, and it's their final step before they quit, or they're wanting to hold on to the, like I say, the oral fixation and just the ritual is a big part for some people, and uh, some people are contented to stay at zero. Others want to stop there. So it's, it's, I think it's sad to see that one go because it's a, an important step for a lot of people. And, um, well, it's, again, not just, it sort of, it's not just an important step. It actually, it closes off the avenue, yeah. the loophole, so to speak, that it was used in the UK. Yes. And that's a big deal. So, yeah. so they, they crush the size. Of the, so they say, they say nicotine's a problem. Salt nick's a problem. Uh, they don't use the language, but you know, you would think they, they're saying, okay, go use the free base. That's what you should, you know, that should be okay. That's kind of because that's the model that's kind of happening in the rest of the country, right? Is that, okay, well, we can accept, you know, Nick Caps and this and that. We're just going to be going back to the traditional liquids, which um, there was no teen uh, youth uh, epidemic with the traditional liquids, with the freebase. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but then, but this closes that off because the, the forcing it down to 10 mils yeah. really for closes that off. And then saying, on the other hand, if you just have uh, PG and VG, that's illegal too. So it seems very determinant here to frustrate vaping in a very crucial way. Yeah. Yes. Um, and again, it's the people using the lowest nicotine levels that are going to be the first ones who are hurt by this. And those are generally the people who've been vaping the longest and the ones who are uh, more consciously trying to quit nicotine. Mm. All right, so let's uh, go back to our fun little document here. So they've got um, restrict concentrations in vapor products. So that's the 20 milligram per milliliter cap. Yes. Overall, how do you feel about that? Uh, the, I, I, I can see capping the strength. I think they should give a little more room there. For people who've been vaping a long time, 20 milligrams sounds really high. But if you're coming from a pack a day smoking, um, we usually are starting, if they're using salts, usually recommending like a 24 to a 36. 
And if they find that the 24 or 36 isn't strong enough, they can always try something a little bit stronger or they can go down if it's a little too strong. 20 is kind of the low end for most of the liquid brands. For the closed pod systems, 20 is the lowest. Some of them didn't even have a 20 until these regulations started to being announced. So it is a low strength when it comes to salt nicotine. Um, I think like a, somewhere in the 30s might have made a bit more sense because I do think it is important that people have some steps to go through if they're wanting to work their way down opposed to starting at what's kind of been the bottom. Yeah, um, no, and, and let me just bring up a, a point here, okay? I think that the, the whole community's uh, focus on bringing down I think we I think that's a, a, a bit of a wasted time conversation because they don't seem to care about weaning yourself off of nicotine. They believe yeah. you should just quit, right? Yes. So to a certain degree, right, because there's guys like me, I was a two pack a day smoker uh for twenty years. Right? I I vape. I, I don't wanna wean myself off of nicotine. Yeah. I'm happy that I've got a, a substitution that's not killing me. And that is just great. And that's what I, you know, when the government regulated it and made it legal and said, okay, you know, fill your boots, great, that's it. So I don't want to be included in a group of people that's trying to wean themselves off of nicotine. And that's and, a really good point because there isn't a lot of room um, or there hasn't been any room from uh, government for people who are choosing this as an ongoing, like they've changed from smoking to vaping and their end result isn't to wean themselves off of it, that they just want a better delivery method. And we definitely have customers that fall into that category. Um, some of them are happy to be at a six or a three milligram freebase. Others want to be, or not necessarily want to be, but choose to stay at you know 30 or 50 or whatever point. Um, and I, there, I have some concerns that if the person who's been using 50 milligram and doesn't want to move down, if the 50 is taken away, chances are they will go back to smoking cigarettes. And just so you know, I'm that guy. I use 50. If, I, if I it wasn't for 50 salt, well, of course you know. <laughs> of course you know. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, this is, it's like, it, it's... This affects me personally, because this is my province. Yes. Right? And I mean, obviously, all of this affects me everywhere uh, as a news person that covers this issue. But here at home, I'm not going to be able to get, I'm going to get little bottles like this. My, yes. my own provincial government wants to hurt me, wants to punish me, and all the other vapors in this province. And uh, I'm bothered by that. And another one on the side of the 10 mils there, uh, when you talk about your home province and the products that you like using, uh, currently, I was told this by one of our juice makers, uh, I'm not a manufacturer, so I'm not that familiar with the logistics behind bottling, uh, but one of our local juice makers uh, had mentioned that the 10 mil bottles require an entirely different machine that he doesn't have and is very expensive. And he's contemplating whether that's cost effective for him to have this invest in this machine just for BC. Um, and maybe he should be focusing on other provinces. 
The other thing that he mentioned, and this is one I'm not sure because I, I don't know the bottles myself, but he was saying that he's not aware of any 10 millimeter or 10 milliliter bottle that meets the Canadian child safety standards. Wow. So mm. uh, to like, I hear that and I realize like I've all of the 10 mil bottles disappeared from the market and it happened around the time the Canadian regulations went in. Now it was sort of a dwindling market anyhow, so I hadn't paid that much attention to it, but it would make sense that that was the timing that those um, last holdouts of the 10 mil switched to 30 mil bottles is because the 30 mil bottles they were using met child standard, child safety standards and the 10 mils didn't. And if that is the case, BC has just told us we can only have it in a 10 mil bottle, but you can't have it in a 10 mil bottle because the federal government says that's not, it doesn't meet their standards. Now, I don't know if that's an oversight on their part and being ill-informed about what they're trying to do and not understanding the logistics behind it, or if that's an attempt to basically just ban it. Well, and that's the you know position that we have in terms of our review of this is that every single step of the way here is just closing doors. So it's it's a, a ban in all but the name, and that's what's an issue here in big time. Um, and they're doing it without really new legislation. I understand that most of it's going to be done through the Public Health Act, and then they're doing the taxes uh, through the Ministry of Finance. So you you've got to be very concerned when government um, is sidestepping the people in the legislature and, and coming up with innovative, tricky ways to implement what are, you know, they say that it's a health hazard, so they're actually protecting health. Instead, what they're doing is they're harming health uh, in this process, and they're not running through any kind of proper regulated, regulation uh, uh, process. Yeah, no, it's it's very alarming. And um, uh, so, w what is this consultation then? Is this is this consultation? Is this the Ministry of Health that the consultation is from, or is it? Or uh, sorry, the um, that twenty fourth of January deadline, or yeah, that's correct. Uh, yes, that's for the Ministry of Health. So that's for them to uh, make their proposed changes. I believe they're required to have a consultation period. Uh, to hear from stakeholders, customers, general public before they can finalize changes. I can only hope that they actually take that feedback seriously. Um, Cause like I say, it's the, the changes are damaging on many, many levels. Yeah, certainly. Uh, let's bang through the last here. Um, restrict the sale and distribution of e-substances and nicotine containing products. So, uh, this is, you know, pretty basic. They create, you know, class one and class two of retailers. One is retailers that, uh, you know, are all ages that can get there, go in there, such so as convenience stores and so forth. And they've got basically it's the it's a flavor mechanism that's being attached there. Yeah. Um, right. And then there's the class two retailers, which are uh, retailers such as yourself. Yes. Age restricted. So those are the 19 plus establishments that to even enter the premises you need to be 19 years of old age or older right and so and then the big granddaddy here number four is restrict the sale of vapor of flavored vapor products the ministry is considering implementing restrictions on the sale of flavored vapor products the class one vapor product retailers are all ages access retailers 
where age verification is required to purchase, e.g. convenience store, and they will only be able to sell tobacco-flavored e-liquids or pods. This will provide adult smokers a choice to access nicotine vapor products where tobacco products are sold in the same retail outlets. So, tobacco only. Class 2 vapor product retailers, so vape shops, are age-restricted establishments that will be able to sell tobacco-flavored e-liquids or pods and additional flavored products that contain nicotine. So, Class 1 or 2 retailers will not be permitted to sell products that imply an association with confectionery, dessert, soft drink, or an energy drink, i.e. either flavor or name. The province is considering expanding this restriction to food and beverage flavors. And then the cap, of course, is flavored e-substances that do not contain nicotine or cannabis will be not permitted for sale in BC. Let's handle that last part in a second. So again, um, a ban, restriction on confectionery, dessert, soft drink, or energy drink. Yes. And then it could be expanded, this restriction could be expanded to food and beverage flavors. Yes. Stacy. Aha, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> so, it always comes back down to flavors. Uh, the... We'll start with the first one that they're talking about, your confectionery dessert uh, soda energy drink flavors. That covers um, a whole lot of the flavors out there. Um, I would love to give you a percentage. I'm guessing that's going to be in the, and now it depends on how nitpicky they are, but I'm going to say maybe 50, 60% of the flavors would fall under there. Uh, a lot of the fruit flavors are sort of more fruit candy flavor. I'm not sure how you're going to have a distinguisher for, you know, if the strawberry tastes too much like a cake. I, I don't know. The ongoing joke we've had uh, at the shop is if there's going to be a, um, the government's going to hire a tester who has to taste test every single flavor and decides that tastes too much like donuts. Um but it, it's a, one very subjective, like, like, how do you, because if they're saying, like, I understand you can't call it that. And that's what the federal government has put in their regulations. And that was like, I can understand that you can't say it's a donut, but to say that you can't have it taste like a donut, um, I think it's too subjective because maybe it tastes a little bit like, uh, how do you make that call? And if we're not saying it tastes like a donut, why does it matter if it does taste like that or like vanilla? Vanilla is one of the most popular uh, flavors, especially for people starting out, especially of the older set of more along my age and up there. It's my husband's favorite flavor is going to be vanilla custard. Custard is a dessert. Does that mean vanilla custard is banned? Because um, I know that would devastate a lot of customers and none of them are young i of the vanilla fans i'm going like my age and upwards for the majority of them so i don't see how that's helping teenagers um the second part of that if they expand it to all food and beverage flavors I think you've just banned flavors. 
because really all that would be left would be tobacco flavors. Um, they might like mint, they might say is not a food. So you could have mint, menthol, tobacco, flavorless. We have a cherry blossom flavor. I suppose that would be okay. Um, but there you've just gotten rid of 90% of the flavors. Well, and that's exactly it. Like you just said it perfectly. If, if they do expand that, uh, oh, wait a minute. Let me just make sure I've, hold on one second here. If they do expand that into, uh, there we go. One sec. I got a little surprise for us. Are you serious? Okay. One sec. Sorry. We'll get there in a sec. (laughs) Uh, I love the way that you just put that. And that is, uh, if they do expand those categories, you pretty much just ban flavors if you add food and beverage yeah. to that list. You've sidestepped what you're calling it, but that's the flavors are going to taste like food because what else would they taste like? Wood well, bark? Like yeah, tobacco. Exactly. <laughs> and this is why I'm saying that this is a ban. This is why uh, RegWatch's uh, commentary on this is that it's cruel. This is designed to punish uh, their intentions are cruel here. There, there, there's no room anywhere in here for harm reduction, for people stepping down and weaning off, or anything. There, this, this has got to be one of the most closed loop pieces of regulation I've ever seen. When, when, and inside um, this document, when it actually says, I mean, I find you know, I find it crafty. I think that's the term I. I, I want to use it's like everywhere you go they they've did they're crafty because when they say when they say um okay so retailers will not be permitted to sell products that imply an association with confectionery, dessert soft drink or an energy drink and then the ie there either flavor or name so yeah. okay so if strawberry because that's food right yeah becomes a part a of the thing the argument used to always be, well, just don't call it strawberry, call it X, Y, Z and throw some mango in there. Yeah. And, and that should be fine. Right? No, 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 no. Because flavor, flavor or name can't be. So, and, and then, you know, the other kicker here, but I I don't want to get, and we're a little bit of a longer show here today because I, this is important for us to go through, but they're actually, well, it's the very next one. So let's do it. And then we'll jump to the video um, here. But the other thing here is that then, they go, oh, there's got to be plain packaging. Yes. So so then then skull and crossbones uh, and plain packaging. Mm-hmm. So just sh- why don't they just shoot every vapor in the province, take them out to the backyard, and just drop them? Because that seems to me exactly what the province of British Columbia is doing here. They are trying to eliminate vapors. They just don't have the balls to ban vaping. So instead, they're going through this whole process. Yeah, and the plate packaging one is, um, one, again, goes back to my earlier statement that it's a bit of a scare tactic that somebody comes and sees that and says, oh, it's being traded just like cigarettes. It must be as damaging as cigarettes. Maybe I'll just stick with the poison I know. I'm going to stick with my cigarettes, and I'm not going to sway. And as a former smoker, I know we're a very stubborn set. And if we have any excuse not to change what we're doing, we're going to take that. Um, So to put it in an ugly brown package, just like the cigarettes, I, I can only see that as trying to deter people from using it. And 
that's not deterring youth from gravitating to it because you've already put it in a place where they don't have access to it. Um, you're trying to deter adults from using it if you're treating it in plain packaging. The other thing that I'm concerned of is there's so many damaging things in here that the plain packaging gets overlooked. It's the thing that people aren't yelling and screaming about because they're talking about capping nicotine strengths, they're talking about taking away flavors, they're talking about doing all these other things that the plain packaging kind of get ignored in there. And um, that's a really, really big deal. I mean, even the cigarettes um, have only just gone into plain packaging in BC, I believe. That's recent. Um, and that's, that's after years and years and years of going through different steps. And I kind of feel with the addition of a very steep uh, tax that we saw come in on January 1st, with these changes here, they're basically just trying to quash everything. Um, and yeah, the plain packaging is just kind of that little cherry that they put on top. And they're like, everyone's gonna be so concerned about everything else, they're not even gonna focus on that this is an element in the changes. And um, it's... Well, can your, can your business survive these changes? Uh, all of them? I, I don't know. Um, we've been around a lot longer than some of the other shops, so I think we're in a better position. Uh, I mean, there's an argument to place that they say if um, the corner stores are going to have less selection, people will have to go to vape shops, so that's potentially better. However, if everything's in a 10 mil and uh, you've got your flavor is gone, I suspect people are just going to be ordering their product online from outside of the province, and I can't compete with that. Well, actually, it's interesting. There was a discussion that uh, I was just having with one of Rugwatch's supporters uh, back east, and they were discussing about how they were interacting with the BC provincial government regarding sending product to BC, and they know they do indeed have to charge that 20%. If they are, if they intend to do business in British Columbia, or if they market into British Columbia, if they happen to catch a customer that uh, from British Columbia, they happen to just, you know catch. I, I guess they don't. That yeah. the, that customer needs to self-report their PST, which is just maddening. Yeah. Right. But basically, though, if if you you know have been doing business in British Columbia, it'll be pretty hard. You know, obviously, once the the tax start, it'll be pretty hard to make an argument that you haven't been regularly doing business in British Columbia yes. online. And the tax is one thing. Um, however, the bottle size um, is going to be harder. They get to open every box to see that they're not sending 60 mil bottles to BC. Right. And I think that that's where um, we're really going to see the big change. The tax is there. It's a big jump. It will probably make people sort of um, uh, think about whether they really want to invest in a new system at the moment. It'll probably drag out their hardware a little bit longer, which is fine. Um, but I think they're going to, for the most part, they're not going to stop using their liquids. Um, but if you say that their bottle size is now a 10 mil, which costs, uh, 
four times as much per mill as they were getting before, twice as much depending on the bottle size they were doing, plus that huge step in taxes. I think that's where you're going to see more and more people just going like 10 mils is too small, it's too wasteful. Um, we'll get it online, especially if they can't get their vanilla flavor or whatever is their go-to or we just don't have that selection to offer them. They're going to look for online solutions. Right, right. Yeah, they will look for online solutions, there's no doubt, and there's plenty of them out there. Before we finish up with a couple of last questions in this video that uh, I'm going to show, which is probably going to get us this video, our show yanked off of YouTube uh, today, but I've made some, uh, uh, a few uh, uh, precautions in, case, in that case. But uh, so let me just first jump over here and remind everybody to go to regulatorwatch.com, that's support.regulatorwatch.com. This is our support website where we reach out to you, the viewer, and ask you to kick in a few bucks to help us make this content happen. Because, of course, it takes money to do what we do. And thank goodness uh, you all have been helping. But we could use more, and we need to grow what we're doing. So please head to support.regulatorwatch.com and uh, check out who supports RegWatch. I think that's always a really big, important thing to do. Demand Vape, uh, our anchor supporter, was just fantastic. And of course, Flavor Art, Divine Laboratories, Juno and Stealth, and then great groups of people here, our monthly rock stars. Of course, Flavor Crafters, one of the first e-juice companies that I fell in love with. And uh, and Stacy remembers, I'm sure fondly, selling me a lot of Flavor Crafter product, Pina Colada in the yeah. little 10 mils. And little 10 mil bottles were going right back to the origins, apparently. That's right, the 24 mils. I've yeah. still got a few of those that I had in the fridge, and every once in a while I do my little mix. So I'm a mixer. I freebase mix. Uh, I mix freebase. So uh, use a little 24 uh, mils of uh, 24 milligram per mil of uh, pina colada freebase from Flavor Crafters in with some Premium Labs Alpha watermelon, and then a splash whatever I'm working on that day. So. That's my been my main thing. That's what got me off smoking. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and just uh, let me finish that off. And then, of course, the rest of our great people that um, are with us monthly, we do hope that some of you will also come on so we can get you up here on the board. And, of course, our one-time heroes, too, as well, that kick in box. And, boy, if you got American greenbacks, send those to us. We love the American dollars. And we will obviously make good use of it. Actually, we want to bring on some support, some help for me. So then I can then have more time with the content and reaching out to um, people that we need to interview. So some of the dollars that we're asking for to come in right now, we can get another couple of grand in a month. That'd be great because I've got two people that have been helping us out in the background and I want to put them to real work. So posting, promotion, a bunch of other things that then I don't need to do that. And uh, that will be huge for us. All right, so Stacy, so I think you may know what I have lined up or maybe not. Have you seen the ice cream truck video? No. Oh boy. Okay, now uh, this came across my desk today here too as well. Some of our fine people in a chat group I'm in from across the country and they're like, have you seen this? And I had not. And it was worth puking for. So here is the Breathe, the Lung Association. I do believe that lung 
is the worst organization for propaganda anywhere, both in Canada and the U.S. And I think they're the original March of Dimes, if I'm correct on that. So these guys have been, these progressives have been around for a while. They're the quintessential progressives sitting here at Lung. And uh, the worst propaganda in the world. And they've got this video. Let me just switch over. So I'm going to send us over here. I'll kill your mic, Stacy. Okay. And just so you know that. Um, but I'll be able to hear you here. All right. Okay. Okay. Here we go, folks. Call the cops on you guys here today? It's Don't. dangerous. Don't be here. So we have vanilla mist, double chocolate dream, and then we also have butterscotch bliss, blue raspberry, orange twist, and uh, cotton candy yum. Blue raspberry. Right, blue one, blue raspberry, yeah. Cotton candy. Cotton candy yum? Is that good ice cream? So this is uh, organic, farm fresh ice cream, uh, also infused with 100% organic nicotine. Nicotine? There's 28 milligrams uh, in every cone or cup. Are you joking? Are you serious? Are you serious? Yep. I want cotton candy. Why would it be infused with nicotine? Sorry, it's, so it's the, yeah. There is nicotine in the ice cream. This Why is, would you give that to kids? Is it good for kids? Like, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So I can't say for sure. If you want a blue raspberry. I don't want any of this. No. Uh, How dare you guys? I can't take it. It's not like we're giving cigarettes away. You're putting nicotine in ice cream. Just because you dress it up in a flavor doesn't make it any Wow, thanks guys. Really appreciate that. We we didn't have audio there. So one of my famous mistakes. So Stacy, let me first ask you then, uh, now that we do have the audio, and thanks Thomas and those of you who just did that. Um, what do you think of that, uh, that ice cream video? 
Oh, you missed my original brilliant statement. Mm -hmm, um, I did. <laughs> it's insulting. It's really, really insulting. And uh, what I was getting at is that it makes light and ignores the fact that adult vapors were heavy smokers, usually um, smokers, and that our switch to vaping for a lot of us is um, something like, I think it saved my life. Um, on a very personal note, I don't think I'd have had a child if I hadn't quit smoking and gone to vaping. Um, I probably would never have considered it because I didn't think I could quit. It wasn't something that occurred to me. Uh, so to liken a pack-a-day smoker who'd been smoking for over 20 years who likes a vanilla or a cotton candy vape to an ice cream truck um, on a street corner, is it's really, really insulting and potentially very, very damaging to the lifespan of a lot of people. Yeah, it's... Um... It just shows the, the disdain and disgust that they have for people who vape. It, it's just mind-boggling how deep it goes. It, it is. Um, and like I said, the first time you see the video and you laugh and you smile because it's not funny. Um, but it's only funny on the surface because the underlying sentiment there is it's got cruel intentions, Brent. And that is why we showed it and why this episode of Reg Watch is titled Cruel Intentions. You bet. And uh, I wish it was not so. This is hard to fight. Uh, this is a real, real difficult challenge. We're up against some of the most professional and well-funded propaganda artists in the world. So let's take a look at strengthening restrictions on public advertising. <laughs> so try to get out there as a vaping industry and pool your dollars together and try to get out there and, and actually spend some money to correct the record and some of the propaganda. Well, you can't do that. Um, so obviously existing provincial rules address advertising within retail locations and the proposal extends to extends the restrictions. So, I mean, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to get billboards out that say anything positive about vaping, you can't. Uh, so, I mean, forget about even, you know, selling product because the product thing is, is, is off the table. So, I mean, here you go. So those are, you know, the ministry is seeking comments on the proposed regulatory changes outlined in this, in this intentions paper, uh, cruel intentions. Those right. interested are invited to submit comments on the proposed changes until January 24th and uh, as the health protection branch. So, all right. Where are we at, um, Stacy, in terms of people fighting this? Um, how organized are the shops in British Columbia? And what's been the reaction from vapors to the shops? And is there anything else getting organized in terms of presenting a, a united front to the government? Um, unfortunately, I don't think there's anything to to organize, I know that there are some advocacy groups out there that are trying to represent the industry and the vapors um, in a more positive light and more truthful light, um, trying to uh, sort of highlight some of the logistics. Like I'd mentioned things like 
that 10 mil bottles might not be feasible just due to um, child safety requirements. Uh, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of people don't actually realize the scope of these regulation changes and uh, something we didn't really touch on here, but when the initial press release went out, uh, the implied regulation changes were much milder than what came out in the intention papers. And the intention papers came out very quietly in mid-December. Um, a lot of, like, there was no press release around it, so I, there was no media attention to it whatsoever. Whereas the initial press release, there was a lot of attention that changes were coming, but we didn't know what those changes were. So it's really hard to um, properly highlight that. We've had employees from other stores come in in the last week who don't realize that there's a deadline coming up for feedback on this. They think that it's a done deal or they don't know that um, 10 mil bottles could be a potential in the future. So there's... Um, uh, a lot of ignorance around this in the sense that it's been hard to find this information. Uh, it wasn't sent to us. Uh, I actually stumbled across it through a vape group that I belong to on Facebook. So it's, it, it's challenging and it's, uh, it's a little sneaky how they've put it out. I believe it actually came out the same day the impeachment was announced in the U.S. So the media definitely was looking in another direction. And it was just before Christmas. People aren't really thinking about, you know, fighting for their vaping rights when they're trying to get their Christmas shopping done and trying to see all their family. So it's it's really been since January 1st that we're really um, trying to make sure that every customer who walks through our door knows that this is happening and knows that they have until January 24th at 4.30 to submit their feedback and... Um, I don't know, talk to your MLAs. Anyone you can talk to to help is more people listening. Um, and we can hope for the best, I guess. But uh, really, you don't we sound, you don't sound very yell. You don't sound very hopeful. I'm so tired, Brent. <laughs> it's been five years of fighting the good fight, and I feel like we keep coming back to a, a bigger battle. And I don't know, we're going to keep doing this as long as we've got the ability to do so, but it's, this is, it's, this is the scariest one so far. This is the one that feels the most like we could lose it all. And your last statement there actually is, I think, um, you know, the, the real intention here now, obviously there's a cruelty part, right? And those are the punished part and everything else. But from a tactical point of view, I, it, because the, province of British Columbia is demonstrating that they don't have the balls to actually ban this product and then get into the fight and stand up for their position on it and present real science, not kids uh, use non-nicotine PG and VG juice to first vape. I mean, it's just insane. So, so they clearly are locked in whatever, you know, thoughts they've got about vaping and they're just trying to ban it. And they know they just don't have the guts um, as politicians, because of course they're a minority government, and uh, you'd have to imagine that there's a lot of smokers um, and ex-smokers who vape that tend to lean a little bit left um, in the province of British Columbia, which leans so far left that it falls off into the ocean. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, right? Clearly, this is designed to frustrate 
uh, vape retail shops. So you can stay open, but here are all the things that just constrain you down to a little 10 mil bottle with plain packaging. I mean, there is no packaging on a 10 mil bottle anyhow. Yeah. So yeah. what are you going to do? Put that inside a cardboard box and then make the cardboard box brown? No. So, I mean, basically the province of British Columbia is, is banning vaping, but the way they're doing it is they're, is they're frustrating the small businesses to the point where they give up. And then they could say, well, we, you know, we didn't ban it, right? They just gave up. So they're strangling small businesses in British Columbia to the point that you give up. It's, it's, definitely what it feels like. And I think that if that is the case, the players that will remain will be the large, um, the pod, uh, systems where it's pre-filled liquids. Uh, they're easy to sell at a corner store. Uh, they're going to be the most wasteful, the most, uh, expensive for the end user. Um, the most garbage created, uh, the, um, well, uh, yeah. for most of the, the, all the pod systems I'm aware of 20 is the lowest strength. So there is, it's, it's a sidestep. Like there is nowhere to go if that's all that remains. So big tobacco, big tobacco wins. Yeah. That's what we'll see. All of the little mom and pops and the independent companies that have risen up over the last eight years in Canada. Um, I think we'll see them disappear. We're already seeing a lot of them. Uh, there's fewer and fewer selections and more and more um, going through larger distributors. Now, some of that is because smaller manufacturers have realized that it makes more sense to send their recipe off to a larger lab to do the manufacturing. Um, but yeah, we've definitely seen fewer smaller independent juice lines. So if this happens in British Columbia, what do you think will be the impact, if any, uh, across the country? Would this be used as a template? Oh, I'm concerned it could. Um, I think, and that's one of the things that we've been stressing to our customers that's even more important that we fight this as much as we can is we don't want it to be set as a precedent as to um, how the industry should be treated. And uh, I, I think people are a little bit more responsive than they have maybe been in the past to actually voicing their concerns because they've seen things like Washington State's banned flavors. Um, the U.S. just announced, I believe, pods, they were banning flavors. Uh, so people are seeing that this is a reality in other places, so they're a little bit more prone to actually voice their concerns where in the past um, might not have been. So I can try and remain a, a little optimistic there, but um, uh, I don't know that that will be enough. We'll see. It's a waiting game at this point. Fight as long as you can, and then you wait and see what the results are. Well, if you're a vapor in the province of British Columbia, best uh, get writing something now and to send in. Is there an example that anybody could use? Because, you know, um, it's not unlike Ontario, where there's, you know, a very strong advocacy group, you know, Vapor Advocates of Ontario and so forth and, and so on. There's lots of, you know, examples and resources for you know sending letters in so it'd be great if the if some of the any of the canadian groups that are out there and the volunteer groups or, or that have experience yeah. with this could maybe get you some information because there's still some time here left and if there was some kind of templates or or, or something to be able to use to help people structure 
what it is that they are trying to say, I think that might be helpful. Yes. And it's one of the things that we've been mentioning to customers is that if you're not sure of what to say, um, start with a really short history of uh, like how long were you a smoker? How old are you? Um, when did you start vaping? What did you start vaping with? What do you use now? What flavors have been effective? Why were those flavors important to you? And uh, give some solid examples of how the regulation changes would affect you personally. Uh, if you could no longer get your vanilla milkshake flavor, how is that going to affect you? If What is the cost difference going to be on your uh, budget if your 60 mil bottle is now 10, 10 mil bottles that's um, costing you $60 instead of the 25 or $30 it was before. Give some solid um, examples of the impacts to you and concerns that you have for smokers who have yet to make the switch and maybe um, they're, you know, future vapors out there and if overregulated, they might be afraid to make that same transition. And I would add to mention some some of your personal concerns about maybe having to return to smoking or, or yeah, something like that. Absolutely. And that's part of what I'm like the real examples of if you're faced with these changes, if you cannot get these products, what is your alternative? And for a lot of people, that alternative is going to be smoking. When I think that the government uh, hopes that their alternative is to, I don't know, buy a patch or just not take any nicotine in but for the most part that's that's not the other option well i'm not too certain why any of these governments have a right to tell people about uh, whether you can put nicotine in your body not as long as cigarettes are legal that's all i can say yeah yeah well stacy thank you so much for joining us uh today on reg watch it has been a long time since we had you on the show I wish it was on better circumstances. Uh, it's good to be back. But again, I, I wish that it was a uh, happy announcements instead of uh, doom. Okay. <laughs> well, doom. <laughs> okay. Stay right there uh, for a second. I'm going to wrap up. Uh, and then obviously I'm making plans to come back up to the shop. So that is this edition of Reg Watch. Before you head off, please go to support.regulatorwatch.com. Take a look around see who supports us and what we do. There's a great page there now. We can see all the content that we've made since we became more viewer, you know, fan funded since last uh, September. We've produced 62 episodes in 17 weeks, nearly 50 hours of live content uh, and running, getting close to, well, it'd be close to a million views pretty soon. And considering that we're not cat videos or blowing clouds, which are all good, uh, you know, as boring regulation guys. Uh, we're doing good. And it's thanks to you guys. So, you know, toss us a few dollars. You'll be happy you did it. And so will we. And make sure that you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And that's it for this edition. I'm Brett Stafford and Vapom, if you got it. Yay. <laughs> oh, man. Ended with doom, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was getting tired, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, well, we covered a lot of stuff, though. I think yeah. that was important. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, one sec here.